Leadership File on Premier. It's my joy to welcome you to The Leadership File, the show that aims to help you lead as Christ would have you lead wherever he has placed you. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and whether you listen live on a Sunday or one of the many thousands who catch up via the podcast, it's great that you can join us. I can recall a time when ministry in rural areas was regarded as unpopular. Uh, In the Church of England, clergy would end their time in a rural parish because of an exodus from the countryside ensure that congregations were typically low. Uh, But in recent decades, there's been a rejuvenation in rural ministry. Uh, People have relocated to the countryside with online working, meaning they can still connect to their office. Uh, In England, there are some 17% of the population in rural areas, and it's expected to increase by 6% in the next decade. Well, I'm joined this week by the Reverend Stephen Mordit, who is involved in the Fountain of Life, an Anglican network and resource church set in rural Norfolk, west of Norwich. It was planted in 1996 and now pioneers growth through missional communities. So, Stephen, lovely to have you on the Leadership File. Uh, Great to be here, Andy. Thank you so much for inviting me. A joy to be with you. Well, thank you. Uh, And your journey into Christian leadership, Stephen? Uh, Well, I uh, became a Christian in my early 20s and the church that I uh, belonged to um, happened to be Holy Trinity Bompton. So I was fairly quickly as you might imagine, immersed into uh, a discipling culture, uh, a leadership culture. Um, uh, about a year after I became a Christian, uh, I was um, sent, along with a couple of other people, to lead a home group. And um, I conveniently married one of those two um, fellow leaders, uh, and we moved Shortly after getting married, we moved to a smaller church uh, where we lived in London, and we became involved in that church, um, in, in lay leadership, um, working with the vicar who had a, a vision to see the church uh, engage in renewal. Uh, at that time, I, w- I was also involved in, in the management uh, in, in a secular company. So I was a, a Christian working out how to lead in, in, in that environment. And then after being married for about four years, we sensed the call to um, a more of a vocation of leading a Christian organization and we moved to Norfolk in 1988 to manage a Christian conference centre called Letton Hall which I believe you know Andy indeed yes indeed I've, uh, I've spent a weekend there um, leading a course for a church so yeah very a very pleasant place to be certainly um, so uh, you, you didn't have any particular connections to rural ministry as such um, from what you can gather you were a Londoner, at least um, for a while. Yes, we, we had no great desire to uh, leave the city. It, it was very much a sense of calling that um, that brought us to Norfolk. And, and we, we kind of anticipated that we would be in Norfolk for a much uh, shorter amount of time than, than has transpired because we've, we've been here, albeit in, in different contexts and settings, um, for, for 30 years. Good. And you're, you're involved in what we called the, the Fountain of Life, uh, an Anglican network and resource church. So talk what a slightly unusual name. So how did that come about? Well, uh, I uh, sensed a, a call to ordination after our time at Latin Hall 
uh, came to uh, an end. But at that particular time, that was not endorsed within the Church of England's selection procedures. And so ordination was put on hold. I, I did something else. and But the something else that I did brought me into connection with a church leader in Norfolk called Martin Dan, who had a, a very similar heart and vision to to um, to my own. And we ended up moving to join him and to work with him. And then I went forward for ordination again. And I was ordained in 1996 to serve alongside Martin. And it was at that time that the Fountain of Life uh, emerged. And so I was part of that original planting team of of the fountain of life so this was uh, i guess before the kind of pioneering ministry approach that uh, graham bishop graham cray and others had encouraged within the church of england yes indeed uh, we were at the the front end of that and 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 in particular of course in a rural area what we were doing was um, quite unusual, taking a, a, a group of people out of two parish churches, planting them in one of the local community centres, and establishing a third congregation, effectively running alongside the original two. That that was something uh, not unheard of in an urban situation at that time, but um, certainly very unusual in, in the kind of village setting of 1,400 people that we were located in yeah yeah and, and you you mentioned holy trinity brompton which of course has has been a pioneering vessel um within the diocese of london uh under the the, the, uh, the previous bishop and current i'm sure current bishop it will continue you know of, of reviving um anglican churches that have been struggling or 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 even about to die um uh, and and that kind of I don't know, t- timing-wise, you must have been around the same sort of time as HGB were doing that. Uh, yes, indeed, and, and in particular, uh, rolling out the Alpha course, which right. I did as a, a new Christian um, back in 82, I think I did it, um, with John Irvin at the time, uh, who introduced the weekend on the Holy Spirit. So um, it was natural for us to... Um, use the Alpha Course as a tool to uh, disciple and to evangelize and to equip um, uh, and to grow the church. And so Alpha played a significant part in the growth of the Fountain of Life. Uh, we, we are also um, part of the New Wine Network of churches, so we have close affiliation with New Wine and indeed we were involved in, in setting up something called Living Water, which was uh, new wine in the East, uh, back in the days of the early 1990s, well, not mid-1990s, through to a few years ago when we uh, reabsorbed Living Water into new wine. So we have a history with new wine, and we have a history with HGB and Alpha in particular, and all of that has informed... Uh, the values and the vision that's emerged for the church. So, so Stephen, what have you been learning about, um, you know, missional communities and and how to do it and not to do it um, uh, over this over this period of time? Yeah, 
It's a really good question. Might have a very long answer. It's okay. Um, We probably learn more by um, trial and error, I think, with with regard to mission or community. Just to maybe just to uh, just to define what we mean by please please do yes please do yeah yeah. Um, So I I would define a mission or community as as a team of people, a group of people, uh, can be as small as two. Um, that can be larger but the essence is that that group of people uh, have a vision to reach out to their community with the gospel and and that community can be age related it can be uh, geographic it can be the interest uh, we when the history obviously of the church from 1996 all the way through to now has certain staging posts attached to it we moved for example from one community center to another because of growth um when we were in the second community center the vision emerged to have our own purpose-built worship center we moved into that at the end of 2004 i succeeded martin as the team leader in 2005 so those two things were juxtapositioned um over the next five years the vision was quite simply to double and under the favor of the Lord we, we that that's what happened but but the outcome of, of that doubling was that we had expanded to the size of the building that we were in so the question was well how do we plan to double again do we do we build a, a yet larger building or do we look at mission through a different lens and we agreed decided i certainly sensed that the holy spirit was leading us to multiply and not to multiply through a building focused missional approach but to multiply through releasing equipping empowering releasing uh, the people that we had to engage in the community where they lived and that might be in their workplace it might be in their village it might be um, it might be with the particular age group that they identify with, or it could be a multiple of, of those. Uh, and uh, so for the last, I suppose, 10 years, certainly, no, for the last seven or eight years, certainly, that's been the focus. And it's become more sharpened and heightened as we progress. And I would say over the past two or three years, we've seen... Um, much more fruitfulness out of the missional community approach. That's not to say it hasn't been fruitful, but there seems to have been an acceleration. Um, and, and I think partly that's because we live in a culture and a society where there really is a thirst and a desire for genuine community. And you tend to find that through engagement, through commitment to relationship tend to find it through what I might call in incarnational mission where you you see what God is doing in a community and you join in with it and you bless it and you serve it um, so there's a real hunger and a thirst for a community that connects and can be touched and felt and experienced and so I think what we've established here as a sort of a model of building up something that is sizable and and has a resource attached to it but can then be deployed into the local 
and enable the, the small to grow. Um, so would you like me to give you one or two examples? Yeah, we're, we're just coming to a break, Stephen. So let's, let's uh, kind of go for the examples straight after that. So thanks for, for all you've shared thus far. So you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Reverend Stephen Maldit. He's um, involved in planting missional communities in rural Norfolk. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by the Reverend Stephen Mordit. He's involved in the Fountain of Life, an Anglican network and resource church uh, set in rural Norfolk, west of uh, Norwich. Um, we were talking before the break of, of how he was called uh, from London up to, to that area and how he's been uh, learning what God's been doing or seeking to do through him and his ministry uh, in uh, setting up missional communities and how, how important community is and we just before the break we were looking going to look at some examples of uh, the uh, illustrating what Stephen was saying so yeah do, do carry on Stephen so I think one of the things that I that I've learned Andy is to is to try and give the church a language that creates unity and a cohesion so we use the language of missional community but there are lots of different examples of what that looks like in practice and so we don't uh, we don't govern our missional communities through a sort of handbook of rules. It's it's very much relationship. It's trust. It's accountability. It's low on control. It's um, it's it's wanting to bless what the Holy Spirit is giving individuals a vision for, and trying to work with that as much as possible. Uh, and the worst thing that can happen is that they fail. Um, but by um, but by releasing, you you develop a culture where things can grow. So. One example would be uh, a group uh, who uh, had a vision for reaching a new estate build um, uh, in an estate of what has developed to be, I think, about 500 houses now. Uh, and it exists in, uh, at the uh, border between uh, a market town and a village. And so the village church is quite a long way away from this estate, even though the estate is technically within the remit of that parish. And it's, although it's on the border of the market town, the, the church in the market town is some distance away and doesn't necessarily um, connect with the people who are on the estate if we're talking about the people who aren't already going to church. So uh, a team of people from here, they just had the vision and heart for that estate, uh, ironically, my son and daughter-in-law ha happened to move in onto that estate. It was the place where they had their first house, but that was kind of coincidental. And there was nowhere for that for that group of people to meet. They they met in a residence. Uh, they, they met in a cabin that the residents association had available to them, a porter cabin that had a little bit of area of land around it in which uh, the team played games and did crafts and all sorts of other activities with kids who turned up. And um, the Residents Association uh, on that estate kind of adopted us as their church. We, we were amazed to pick up one of their monthly editions to find in it reference to Blenheim Community Church. I asked them who that was and they said, well, that's you. We, that, we've, we've given you that name and that identity in our community because we want people to know about you and to, to join. And now um, there's a plan to build a community centre. The foundations have just been laid. And in the plans for the community centre, there are plans for 
the missional community to have a regular uh, meeting place during the week. Oh, that's so a wonder, wonderful story, yes. It, it's amazing, isn't it, hmm. that actually that, that simply, well, two or three people here responding to what they sense the Holy Spirit was saying and then finding that the people of favour were already in place and just as they served the community, so this group has grown. Now, you know, I guess we're, we're now talking about 30 to 36 people in all uh, out of that estate. So it's, it's relatively small, but then that's the whole point about mission or community. They would tend to be 20 to 50 in size and would tend to be all ages and would tend to very often, I think, be driven, and not exclusively, but driven often by children, young people uh, and families um, one or two examples that buck that, but that would generally be true. And so that's one story um, that is obviously ongoing. Um, another story is over in the um, western half of the county. Uh, I'm in the Diocese of Norwich. This is actually in the Diocese of Ely, and it's um, uh, uh, a couple, a family, who... Um, we're already doing some work in reaching people in their community identified that we were a church that could help them and so they joined us in order for us to partner with them and they meet in the local school they also do something called Forest Church they, we're very close to, to Thetford Forest so uh, every now and again in the summer has to be said they go off to the forest and uh, and gather, gather around the trees <laughs> and pray together, uh, do activities together and share the gospel together. And the last time they met, they had, they had a group of 70, which was like 30 adults and 40 children. And, and, and the, the, the lady who runs that um, is now employed by the school, which gives us a real strategic... Sure, foothold. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that all started with two people who had a vision um, for reaching their community. Um, and then uh, if we talked about ages, we then have something called Kids Club. Now, Kids Club predates the language of mission or community for us, but we, have, we, we, have, we treat Kids Club as a mission or community, and the leaders are very happy about that to reinforce the point I made earlier about speaking a common language. So Kids Club reaches out to unchurched children between the ages of 5 to 10, and they meet on a Saturday morning once a month, and they meet in two different locations, and they have uh, a visiting of about two... They visit about 200 children oh, well. in their family homes. Mm. And, and, and then the team also uh, have an engagement in schools, um, primary schools. Uh, and one of the things we're about to move into as a partnership was transforming lives for good, because Norfolk has the highest rate of children excluded from primary school education in the country. Really? Wow. They, they, they did the last statistic that we were using. Hmm. Um, and so in April, we're about to launch with TLG um, to um, to uh, have mentors uh, who who visit who who spend an hour a week with um, 
the most um, vulnerable um, mm. children in, in the primary school, the, the ones that are most at risk of exclusion. Mm. So, so one thing multiplies into another. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, it's inspirational to hear, Stephen, of, of, in one sense, the simplicity of people who have a vision seeking to do what the Holy Spirit's leading them to do and then and then getting on and doing it and seeing the Lord bless it. So that's really... Um, I mean, time's almost defeated us, but we've got just got a minute or so to, for me to ask the question about, about you know, the stereotype of of the rural community is, is of, of wealthy people living in the countryside who can afford to um, uh, and therefore perhaps not as open to the normal connections with the gospel that sometimes might happen in an urban area. And I'm thinking, obviously, particularly of, of, of the kind of care provision that a church can provide. Um, what have you found in terms of the rural areas, uh, in terms of the stereo, that stereotype? Hmm. I, I think in the rural area, it's the, the difficulties in establishing contact are um, partly transportation. It's right. a, a poor system of transport. Um, uh, it, it's partly culture. Um, I think in an urban situation, um, doors are more open to friends and the immediate community around. In a rural culture, there can be more of uh, an isolationism. Um, I think, on the other hand, there can also be a greater sense of family coming around the person in need and so for a combination of those reasons and no doubt many more poverty need and poverty is often hidden and is often as much relational as economic right yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah so so the church's role in reaching out and befriending and knocking on doors and making yourself known um actually is a crucial one in reaching out. Now, we, we do also have a, a very practical resource through the work of CAP. So we are a CAP debt centre. Well, Christians yeah. Against Poverty, yeah. Yes, and and so no doubt you'll know how that works, that the, the local church is involved in befriending and connecting people to, to the professional services of CAP. And, and we have found that having something very practical to offer helps build bridges of trust with people sure. but again you've got to you, you you've got to establish that trust in the beginning usually to be strong enough for the person to walk over it to the help of course yeah. so so it's a challenge in the world area because it's less visible um but but challenges of poverty are are definitely very much there right Good. Well, uh, as I say, sadly, time's defeated, Stephen, but it's been terrific to, to chat with you. And, and I think w whether, you know, listeners are in a rural area or an urban area, I think you know, it's important that we're not limited by our, by our apparent resources, but are actually open to, to the vision that God has of, of where we are and what might be possible. And even if that's just a couple of people, as you've illustrated, that can still, under God's hand... Um, be used for you know for his his glory and for the extension of his kingdom so that's terrific 
Absolutely. That's that's so good. Thank thank you, Andy, so much for the opportunity. Good. Well, thank you. Well, that's um, so, so Stephen Mordit, who's involved in the Fountain of Life and an Anglican network and resource church set in rural Norfolk. Uh, do um, log on to Premier's website and listen to archived versions of the Leadership Farm, including this one in due course. You can get it downloaded as a podcast, either via iTunes or other uh, media outlets that do podcasts. Um, and of course, you can join us in a conventional way back at uh, on a Sunday at 3.30 at, uh, on the radio as we broadcast again. So I hope you'll join us again. God bless. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 